This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit. So there's a lot of young guys here, and I don't really, a lot of guys that are single. So to give a speech about Chinuch, right, um, you really want to talk about Arab Yom Kippur and growing and Ruchmius and um, so, but there is something that is so important that Mitzvah Hashem, you will be husbands and fathers, Amen, say Amen, and good husbands and good fathers. In that order. That one's, that one's too deep for you guys. Okay, whatever. Um, so I want to I wanna just go back to something that I heard that in Kisei say that's so, so important. And then we'll, we'll get into Yom Kippur. So there's a, there's a, a Ben Shaira Meira. He, he, he's a kid off the Dara. So there's nothing really new. There's nothing really new in, in the Torah at all. And the Torah talks about this Ben Sarah and happens to be people think of Ben Sarah he's 17, he's 18, only between the ages of 12 and a half and 13. That's his age. If he's, 13, if he's, if he's 14, he can't be a Ben Sarah Meyer. It's 12 and a half to 13. It's a half a year. A 12-year-old boy is a 7th grader. Okay, we're talking about a 7th grader. So we have this 7th grader, to put it into perspective, and he's eating an um, unbelievable amount of meat. It's a little kid. He's drinking a lot of wine. He's a ganaf. He's stealing. He's not listening to his parents. And this kid, because he's going to end up growing up to be a murderer, there's a whole shakibitai, a whole beautiful shiur on Hakam Yishmal with Bahashehu Sham, right? And, the, and, and we hear it's not Bahashehu Sham, by Yishmal. The Malachim said he's going to kill, he's going to wipe out the Jews, he's going to murder. Hashem said, right now, is he a murderer? No, so I can't punish him. How come I've been serving my roots by Shah Husham? He's 12 and a half, so he's eating a lot, he's drinking a lot. But he didn't kill anybody. I'll let Rosh Hashiva will, 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 will uh, give you a share on it, I'm sure. But um, because I don't really know the answer, so I'm leaving it to you. What? Right. And therefore? Uh huh. Gotcha. Okay. So anyway, so, so, but it never happened. It never happened. And it's never going to happen because we don't have a Bezdin now. So why would the Torah have a whole parasha on something that a Kodesh Baruch Hu knew would never happen? There is nothing else in this Torah and all the, all the ervas and all the sick stuff in the world, it all happened. All of it. You go through all the ervas and you're looking at it and you're saying, what? How could that ever happen? It's happening. It happened. It's going to happen. With this one parasha, it's not going to happen. It didn't happen. So what are you telling me stories for? About a kid that never existed. Or about parents that never wanted to take their kid to get stoned. So it must be... <laughs> oh, the word stone, they've got to be careful with that. Okay. There are, some, there are some parents, there are some people out there that are giving advice to parents to help their kids get stoned. They should get stoned with them. Okay, whatever. I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting into that at all. It's like, all right, I've got to be careful in this school and what words I use. All right. Anyway, you see girls, they, when I speak to girls, they're like, they don't know, they don't react. So why, why do we have this posture? What's going on over here? The Kutzka Rebbe says something. That's why I'm going way off Yom Kippur right now. Kutzka Rebbe says something that is so unbelievable. And he says the following. He says you have to translate it different. Kiyel ish. When will it happen that it will happen to a man, to a person, to a parent. How could it happen? 
Ben Tzorah Omaira, a child like this. He's a little boy. He's a seventh grader. Okay? How could it happen? You know what it's going to happen when he doesn't hear the voice of his father and his mother. They're busy on their phone. They're busy with their friends. They're not talking to him. He never hears them. He's not connected to them because they don't talk to their child. When can you have a Ben Moira? When your child doesn't hear your voice. He hears everybody else's voice, but his parents... Don't have time for him. The Yisrael also. When do they hear? When does he hear his parents? Only when they criticize him. When they discipline him. They have nothing nice to say. It's when he gets a bad mark that they talk to him. When he gets a good mark, they don't talk to him. Says the Kutzkareva. I'm telling you, if that's who you are, if those are your parents, the Torah says, Beloy Yishma Alehem. He will never listen to you. And he answers a bomb question. Because the beginning of the Pasuk says, He's not listening to his parents. And the end of the Pasuk says, It's repetitive. He's not listening to his parents, and he's not listening to his parents. What's the Pasuk saying over here? So the Kutchka River says, no. means he doesn't hear his parents at all. He's so busy with everything else. Then, he'll never listen to them. It's a bomb. It's a bomb. And all the guys that are single over here, you know that I talk about this all the time. And Amir Hashem, the kids have to hear your voice. Because if they're not going to hear your voice, they're going to hear the kid on the street's voice, they're going to hear the kid in the movies and the television and, the, and all the other garbage that's on the technology of our today. That's the voice they're going to hear. And that, guess what? I will tell you something fascinating and very, very sad going into Yom Kippur. There are, 12, there are 12-year-old, 7th-grade girls and boys that are watching porn that are so off, that are, that are so wounded and so dysfunctional. And it used to be 16-year-olds and then 15-year-olds, but it never was in elementary school. There are kids at home that can get a hold of it that are watching things that adults shouldn't watch, could never watch, and definitely could not handle. So, yeah, 12 and a half to 13, today, if they don't hear their parents' voice, there's not a connection between the appearance and them. They will hear other voices. And then you will start, because they're not doing well, you're going to start mustering them. And you're going to start disciplining them. And how could you do this? And you can't go to your friend's house. And you can't do this. The terrorist says, You lost them. He's gone. So the Ben Sayyid never happened in actuality. But it happened. And it gets sadder. Because we know that the first people that have to throw the stone at your own child to kill him, the first ones that have to throw it are the parents. And I told, I just spoke many, pla- many places, and I told them that if you do not talk to your children, if you don't have a relationship with your children, you are killing them. You are the one. Everyone wants to know why this kid grew off the derech, why this girl grew off the derech. Because you are the first one that threw the stone at them. And who's the second one that threw the stone at them? So it says, they take him to the Zikna Iro, right? And they say, the Ben Suri Mori didn't listen to our voice. The people of the town, the neighbors, the community, Klyistral, you're the second one that's destroying this child. Because you also didn't give him time. 
you also were busy with everything else. So the zikne ear, you're responsible also. If the parents didn't pick up what they were supposed to do, you were supposed to pick up the pieces, and that is what I'm going to talk about on Yom Kippur, about Yom Kippur. And that's it. V'yata Rami Kebecha V'chol Yisrael Yishmu V'yiru Translates these words that Uviata Rami Pikirbecha is very beautiful. He says like this. There's a Gemara, I believe, in Sanhedrin. And the Gemara says the halach is by a Ben Sarah if the parents, if the parents are deaf, the child is potter. There's no, he's not a Ben Sarah So they ask the Kasha, because the Gemara says that we learn from what? But if they're deaf, they can still talk. So how does the Gemara learn now from there are people that are deaf that, that speak. So why is this kid potter? He heard his parents told him. They gave him discipline. They gave him criticism. He didn't listen. So they couldn't hear. What's the difference? So the Teretz is, where did I see this? I saw this. I saw this maybe in the Lenu Shabbat. He brings it down. The Teretz is, the Teretz is, and this is important for everybody in this room, including me, that if you can't hear what you are saying, if you are a pre- you preach, but you don't practice. So these parents, they can't, they're saying something to their child, but they can't hear what they're saying. If you don't hear what you're saying, then what you're giving over to everyone else will not be accepted. It's impossible. If you don't live it, if you have an iPhone, and you're telling people not to have an iPhone, it's not going to work. If you took Oshin Hara, you tell people not to have Lashon Hara. You tell kids to have Shemir Sinayim, and you don't have Shemir Sinayim, even though they're going to hear you and they're going to say, wow, at the end of the day, the Neshama knows that you're full of baloney, and therefore, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So the Allah and the Gemara says, that if the parents can't hear themselves, you can't blame the kid. You can't blame the kid for going off. So if the parent says, no movies, and no this, and no that, and no Gaisha music, and no that, and no Zoom, right, you can't do all this stuff, but they themselves do it, then he cannot be a Ben Shur tomorrow, because he cannot change. And that's where the Pusik says, If the ones that are giving muster and discipline get rid of the bad from within themselves, the Chal Yisrael Yishmu Yeru, then everyone you talk to will listen to you. Because if you get it out of yourself and then you give Moshe to others, then they will listen to you. Otherwise, they won't listen to you. So the Ben Seirah the Pasha Ben Seirah teaches us so many lessons in life. So as a parent, you need to give your child time, but also you need to practice what you preach. You can't say that you can't talk Lashon Hara and all day long your kids are listening to you saying Lashon And you can't be on an iPhone. You can't be on an iPhone the whole time and then tell your kids you're not allowed to have an iPhone because... Only older people that have an iPhone. The kids, like, I can understand. If an iPhone's bad, and you're older, and you're smarter and more mature, and I'm a stupid little kid, so I can't have it, but you could, but you're smarter than me, so you shouldn't have it. I'm a silly kid. They don't even understand what you're saying. It doesn't even make any sense. It's absolutely ludicrous. So if you have an iPhone, your kid's going to have an iPhone. Because, well, Yishmaelehem, they're not going to listen to you. Okay. So, let's take this and move it into Yom Kippur. So we know Elul, right? We're in Tishrei. We know that Elul is and I never understood that growing up because it sounds like Shakespeare, Romeo, and Juliet. It's Elul. Like, why am I not saying Anil Hashem, the Hashem Lee? 
I mean, scary elements. You, you go to court for your life. I'm to my loved one, and my loved one's to me. That doesn't sound too scary. It sounds more like Adar, not Elul. So, why did the Chachamim, I mean, it's very nice looking for an Aleph Lamed, Vav Lamed, but why did the Chachamim say, right? They should have said, Ani Hashem, Hashem Li, it's El, it spells Elul also. And Ishlari Eyu Umatanos Levyonim, I really never understood that. I was like, the rabbis were looking for an Aleph Lamed, Vav Lamed. They went to Pesach, no, it's not here. They went to Shvuas. No, it's not here. Sukkis, no way. And then they came to Purim. Baruch Hashem, it's in the Megillah. What does it, what does it do with what does it do Yom Kippur? What does it do with Rosh Hashanah? Ishtarei, I tell you, nobody brings Shachmanis. Nobody sends Shachmanis on, uh, definitely not on Yom Kippur, and definitely not on Rosh Hashanah. So, unless, I don't know, maybe here you do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Be careful what I say in this yeshiva. But anyway, <laughs> so so what's 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 really going on over here? So the chachamim were very brilliant because honestly, none of us—I'm talking for myself—have a chance. We don't even have a chance. I was Hashanah and Yom Kippur in Din. You don't. No one in this room understands what Din is. When, when the prosecuting angel, the Satan, who got you to do the Avera, and you know, it's interesting because after you do an Avera, you feel bad for about a second, and then you're like, eh, it wasn't so bad, right? But for that first second, you feel very guilty, and they say the reason you feel guilty is the minute you do the Avera, the Satan is like this. He gets you to do it, right? Then when you do the Avera, he runs to Shemayim, and he reports to Hashem that the person did the Avera. When he runs to Shemayim for that split second, you're only left with the Yetzirah so when you're only left with the Yetzir Taiv, you feel bad. But he's right back. He's right back. He's, this guy moves. He really moves. So he takes apart all our mitzvahs. He's an angel. You're sitting and learning? Why are you sitting and learning? He'll go into, why? You want a shidduch? You want this? Every mitzvah you do, he will rip it to shreds. As hard as it is to do, he will, oh, this is by moat. He just does this because everyone else does this. This guy was looking at him. He wants a good name. Everything's not lishma. He rips every mitzvah apart. So if Hashem's sitting in din, we're in trouble. And he builds every avera. Hashem, he really wanted to do this avera. He didn't care. He had no across a toy. You created him. You gave him everything. Look what he did. You asked him for one little thing, and he's throwing him in your face every single day. The guy's a prosher. He's the best. He is the best at what he does. You don't have a chance. Inside the Shleyachta, you don't have a chance. All right, have a good day, everyone. That was my share. No, <laughs> going into Yom Kippur, I don't have a chance. Remember Wilson, help. So the Chachamim were brilliant. And there's a beautiful Zohar. And the Zohar says that a person can have a relationship with Hashem on such a level that the satan is scared to prosecute. The person's neshama comes up, the courtroom gets set, this is Moshe ben Levi, and the satan's like, I rest my case, I have nothing to say. And everybody in the room is like, what? And he's like, I have nothing to say. Next, I got plenty more to deal with. <laughs> this guy's a freebie, why is he a freebie? 
because he, this, is, this is the story he says. He says there was a, a king that had a wife that was, they were mamash inseparable. They had a relationship. They were inseparable. She was beautiful. He loved her. She loved him. She was the best. But she did something really bad. And she did something really bad and therefore was punishable by death. There was no way out. Everybody saw her do it. And she had to be hung. So they called the prosecutor of the country to prosecute the princess, the queen. And he said, are you crazy? You want me to get up in court in front of the king and prosecute his queen to hang her? He will have my head, my children's head, my grandchildren's head, burn my house down. How dare you, how dare you prosecute my wife to hang her? Now wait, I ain't prosecuting her. All right, we'll get the assistant DA. He's like, are you crazy? I'm not, there's no one there to prosecute her. It's a king's, it's a king's wife. You're going to get up in front of the king to hang his wife? Are you crazy? And then he says, the king had an only child. And the only child, his only child, did something the same way. And they went to the prosecutor and they said, you've got to prosecute him. He has to be hung. Prosecutor said, King has one child. If we hang him, he has no more children, he has no more continuation, he has nothing. I'm going to prosecute him, you prosecute him. I'm not prosecuting him. You could be in a relationship with Akkadish Baruch Hu on a level that the Sultan says, maybe next year, I have nothing to say about this guy today. So the Chachamim said, not that Anil Hashem, yes, you have to do tshuva. Because truth is the present Hashem gave you. Don't throw it back in his face. But Elul is a relationship. Develop a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu, That the Satan is going to be scared. To even mess with you. You know, this is my son. Do you know how much he changed? Do you know how much he loves me? Do you know what, he, what he's doing for me? You want to kill him? And Hashem is on his Kisei Rachim and the Satan has nothing to say. So instead of fear and even Elul is the first thing is, first one of all four of Elul stands for is Anilu Daidili. Develop relationship with Akarshbach. What is a relationship with God? A relationship, I've told, talked to you about this a hundred times, relationship is based on one thing. Spending time together. Marriage, spending time, special time. Husband and wife have special time. Together. That's a relationship. Not sending her presents. Not, you know, working day and night and sending her flowers. She's not interested. All the ladies behind the machis will tell you that I'd much rather any present in the world, if they have a good marriage, any present in the world, I'd much rather just have my husband. Don't, don't, don't not come home and send me cars and jewels. And, they don't mind the jewels either, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Once you're spending the time, like, you know, because I gave the speech somewhere else and a lady said to me, don't say that. <laughs> don't say, if I had a choice, my husband, he should go to work. Just keep sending the diamonds, man, and the watches. But it's not true. It's not true. That, that's, that's what makes a relationship special. And that's what makes a relationship with a child special. It's spending time. We're just, we're just so, it's so, it's so out of whack. Like, we need a, we need a, a emotional 
spiritual chiropractor. Like, to, you know, when they crack your neck and you have to get back into place, they don't use the word crack, adjust. <laughs> you get an adjustment. We need, like, an adjustment. Like, we just, we're not, we're not, we're not, we don't have it. We're just, we're just busy with everything else but what's precious. We're not busy with our wives. We're not busy with our kids. We're busy with everything else but what's precious. And we're coming to our Kodesh Baruch Hu and Yom Kippur. What are you, what are you dominating for? Besefer Chaim, right? What does it say, Besefer Chaim? And then comes all the other stuff. The, the, you, you want a parnasana? You want health? Right? You want to get married? Whatever it is. You want to make money? All that stuff are details. Because if you're dead, you can't make money. And if you're dead, you can't have a full shalema. That's for sure. That didn't work, right? And if you're dead, you can't get married. Actually, if you're dead, you can't do anything. So the first thing, all those, all those silly details. People are busy. Oh, I need, I need a shidduch. Oh, I need panasana so badly, whatever it is, right? Silly. First, you need life. So besefer chayim starts with chayim. After that, all your details. If you don't get life, you're dunsky. That's it. You have nothing. Dun, not donkey, dunsky. It means you're done. I thought it was an English. I thought it was an English word, but okay. So the so the the bottom line is the bottom line is that we have to daven for life. So we're all going to stand in Yom Kippur. I'm going to say, "Akurish Baruch Hu." I learned something. I'm not going to daven for Parnas all this stuff. First, I'm going to say, "Hashem, I need 365 days times times 24 hours times 60 minutes times 60 seconds. I need that. I need a whole year of life. I think it comes out to like some crazy number, two million something seconds in a year." If you do the math, I'm so one of the guys. Don't take your iPhone out and try to figure it out. <laughs> so we're davening for time. So when you daven for something, everybody, when you daven for something, you get judged by what you're davening for. So when you're davening for time, what they're going to look at is how you spent your time last year. And the satan has something new. He puts up on the wall all your minutes on your technology. He never had that when I was growing up. Now he has it. He's like, Hashem, this person wants all that time. Look, on their phone, busy on their phone, busy in the fake world. That you didn't, Hashem, you didn't have to create a world. You didn't have to waste six days in creating a world. You could have had Steve Jobs just make Apple and, <laughs> and everybody would have had what they want. What do you need a world for? You know, human beings, you know why we're on, animals are on all four and we're on two, two feet because it says that animals that come from the arts, they have no neshama. So they're on four feet, they're always, with their sources, they're always looking at the earth. A human being, right, is, is, is from the neshama from Shemayim. So we stand up straight and we look up at our source. But today, if you go into the street, you'll see that everyone's walking around. So, what that means is that our source is no longer from there, but it's from, from the R.S. So, our judgment, our judgment th- now, in the new, in our life, is how we spend our time. And the Satan has every second that you wasted this past year. And he's going to throw that at the table and say, Hashem, he's asking for time. He didn't use his time correctly. So we have one day left to be macabre on ourselves that even though we didn't use our time correctly, that next year, we're definitely going to use it better. It's sort of like, you know, your kid asks you for a car, 
And you give him the car, and he keeps cracking it up. And he keeps breaking, keeps cracking every day. Oh, somebody hit me. Yeah, right, okay. The pole moved into the street while I was driving, right? And then he gets a, a ticket, and another ticket, and a parking ticket, and a red light ticket, and a speeding ticket. And you're like, you know what? What is your, dad, what is your father going to do? He's going to take the car away from you because you abused the car. Now, if, he's, if you go to your father and you're like, Dad, I'm changing my ways, right? No more tickets, no more this. Not my ways. Oh, come on. <laughs> not every word. Not every word. They're sharp. They're sharp. They're sharp. I'm, I'm, cha- I'm changing. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. So then his father will give him a chance to prove himself. So tomorrow night, even if you had a, a year that you wasted a lot of time with a lot of things that you shouldn't have, all your father wants to hear is that I messed up. By the way, why do you have to tell, why, why do you have to say vidoy? We're going to say a lot of vidoy, right? A lot of stuff, a lot of alchets. Hashem, you know everything I did. Well, you're not Hashem. You know everything I do. If you don't know everything I do, you're not God. So if you're God, you know everything I do, what do I have to say? Hey, Hashem, all the Averis I did last year, that's it, finished. You know everything anyway. And the answer is that you don't own it unless you say it. This I learned in many different ways with drug addicts and other people. If you don't say, I sinned, then you don't own that sin. It's like, Hashem, you know what I did. You don't own anything. When you say, Hashem, I am sorry, I talk Oshin Hara, Achet, that I use my mouth for the wrong things. You're not just saying, listen to me carefully, you're not just saying that Achet on my sin, that I use it for the wrong things. You need to add to it. And in this coming year, and in this coming year, I'm going to make an effort to make sure that I use it for the right things. Because if you just say, I did it wrong last year. And you're not saying I'm going to do it right this year. So it's the kid that said, yes, I broke the car, I crashed the car, I got all these tickets. And? And? Next subject. You know? I lost all your money. And? Meanwhile, you're not, you're not, you're not giving me a reason to give you back the car. So on every single else hate that you say, that you looked at things you weren't supposed to, so it's not enough to just say, oh, Hashem, I looked at things I wasn't supposed to last year. And? And this year? I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to do this. It's not going to be the same as last year, Hashem. There was a, a, a great Sadiq. He said something amazing. It's very, very true. I see it in Flappish all the time. When you, when, you, when you live in a house, right, and you have a couch, and the leg breaks off in your house, so you take, you take a couple of telephone books, and you put it under the leg. Things break in your house. You just, yellow pages, right. And, and things break. You don't throw it out. You never throw it out. Right? And you, you have stuff in the house that, even me, I have chairs that are a little ripped, right? Why did you fix it already? But when you move from that house, all the old furniture goes on the sidewalk. And the big garbage truck has to come and pick it up. Your, your broken couch that you had the leg under. When you go to a new house, you don't want to take old stuff. And that, that sidewalk, when they move, is piled with stuff that you lived with. Why are you getting rid of it? Yesterday, you were in the house with it. And the answer is, when I go to my new house, I don't want old stuff. On Rosh Hashanah, Hashem recreates the world. He doesn't want old stuff. So if you're there, and you were there last year, doesn't want old stuff. 
I, if the guy's doing an Avera the whole year, why, why didn't he die during the year? Why didn't he die during the year? He was doing Avera the whole year. Now it's coming Rosh Hashanah from one day to the next. Now I have to do tshuva. Now I'm scared. Why, am I, why, why not two days ago? Because two days ago, you, you got a year of life and you're the old furniture. But now it's a new house and now we have to refurnish the house. You're full of sins. You're a broken couch. I'll let you stay there last year. Why should I, why should I put in my new world this guy that's a broken couch? So the answer is that just like the world is mischadesh, the person has to be mischadesh. How's the person being mischadesh? The guy that was there last year never helped any kids, never tutored, never mentored, never helped anybody, never went to visit anyone in the hospital. That guy is new because this guy I'm taking on. And that's why all, all tzaddikim always say, my Rebbe Ram Gamil always says that, and you know, Kippur, just take something on new a little bit. You're not Mavad the Sedra, you should be. Take on your be Mavad the Sedra. You Davanim and Yonim that are after Shkia, you're not Bismanai, take on that you're down Bismanai. Take on something little. You usually miss Shabbos Mincha Friday night because you're using the 18 minutes, right? Take on, you're not going to use the 18 minutes anymore. I'm, from this year, Shabbos, I will be downstairs when my wife lights, my mother lights, things like that. I am not the old furniture now. I took on something new. I am new furniture. It's a very big site in Yom Kippur to take a Rebekah wheel. It's very strict. But he always tells me, I'm not telling you what to take on. Just take on something small. And I took on last year. Then any time Rosh Hashimah calls me, I'm going to go. I took it on. <laughs> I did it, but I would. I did it, but I would have. Anyway, that's very, very important. You, ha- you have to know, you have to know you have to be smart. You have to be smart. You're going into din. You have to be prepared. You can't just walk into a courtroom when your life's on the line and not be prepared. You have to be prepared with a bunch of stuff. With I love you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm your only son. We have this relationship. With, with, with I'm going to take on something else. I'm, I'm chadosh. I'm new. With owning my stuff. Stop blaming everyone else. Stop blaming everyone else for your stuff. Own your stuff. The difference between my generation and this generation is we owned our stuff. Whatever we did wrong, we got whacked, whatever it is, we never pointed a finger at a Rebbe. I may not have liked my Rebbe, but I wasn't walking around. My Rebbe, my mother talked to me the wrong way, the taxi driver didn't smile, this, that, the whole world, it's the world's fault, it's everyone's fault. We go to therapy and they're like, you were abused. (laughs) I wasn't abused. No, you were abused. I have a story like this, where a girl, she wasn't abused. She said she wasn't abused. And the therapist said, your symptoms, you were abused. I'm not going to joke about abuse. This is something that I deal with all the time, my school, everybody. Not making sense, but, but this girl was an emissary girl. She said she wasn't abused. And this is one of my girls, and I said, I think we need to go in a different derech. She's not lying. But the therapist said, yes, and it's true. That sometimes it's buried so deep, really, that you don't remember it. It's true. It's not a lie. Sometimes it happened to a child when they're eight years old, nine years old, and they couldn't live with it, and they just buried it, put it in this closet, and they locked the door, and they just don't go there anymore. I said, you know what? Could be, could be, that's where, where it's at. Let's hypnotize them. Let's, no, there's hypnosis, therapeutic hypnosis. Let's go in there, and let's, let, you know, I, let's go somewhere, and let's see if it happened. So they, they, they did it. And a lot of things happened in her life, but that didn't come up. So I said, let's go in a different derech. Let's use a different therapy. We're not going to use EMDR. Whatever it is. We're going to use something else, DBT, whatever it was. I went to the therapist, and I said, we did the hypnosis, we got the report. It didn't happen. She said, I can't be wrong. It must be so deep that he didn't even come out of hypnosis. So 
there's, there's a certain point, you don't have to own abuse. That's for sure. That's not what I'm talking about here. But when you make a mistake, when you make a mistake, when you do something wrong, before you point fingers at others, go inside yourself, spend some time with yourself, and figure out where it came from. Sometimes it's not your stuff. Sometimes it's not your stuff. I'm, many times I had stuff that was not my stuff. I can tell you that much. But there's a lot of stuff that it's us, and we're blaming everybody else. And you know, Kippur, you're standing in front of a Kush Baruch You've got to own your stuff. So Kush Baruch I was Mavato, I didn't have Shemir Sinayim. Whatever it was, I own it. I did it. And I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to try not to do it anymore. I'm not making a nether. But right now on Yom Kippur, I am in such a place. I am a malach. I'm a malach alokim. I'm saying, just like a malach. I am a malach. I'm not a human. Yom Kippur, you're not a human. The five things that have a human, you know, different senses. We're not allowed to do on Yom Kippur. We're not human. We don't even have shoes. Malach don't have shoes either. We don't have shoes. We don't have wives, as far as physically, physically why. We're not eating. Malachim don't eat. Malachim don't drink. We're malachim. You're standing in front of Hashem. You're at such a level, you're a malach, that you could say, I'm not doing this again. I, you said I'll hate last year, but when I said it last year, I also said I'm not going to do it again. So I owned that I wasn't going to do it again. But in the same tool, we say, I need bus of a dumb, I need rima of a I'm a human being, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if it was up to me, I would never look at a girl again. Except my wife. If it was up to me, if I could handle this, if I wasn't a human being, I want what I want on Yom Kippur. What do I want? All those achates to go away. I want never to look at a girl that I'm not supposed to. I want to sit and learn. I want not to talk Lashon Hara. Hashem, if I would get what I want, I would not have to say achate next year. I want to be like a malach a whole year. And if I'm not, it's only because I'm human. Not because I don't want. I want to be a malach. But if I'm not going to be one, it's because I'm human, Hashem. But I love you. And it's not because I want to be a bad boy and I want to hurt you and I don't appreciate you. You're my malach. You're my father. You know why it's called the Vino Malkeinu? Because father is not enough. Because if you have a father that's a very poor man and he socially has nothing to do with anyone, so he has no power. So you call, you're my father, dad, I need money, can't help you. I need a job, I can't help you. Can you make me a shit? No, I'm disconnected. So what we say is, dad, you, not only you're my father, but you have everything to give me. You're the melech. So melech doesn't come first. First comes the relationship. Melech's not the relationship. Melech's not the relationship. The avinu is the relationship. You're my father, and I'm going to tell you a crazy story. But you're my father, Kodesh Baruch and if it was up to me, when you're standing there, I'm there, I'm by Ne'ila, by the Kaiso. When I'm screaming, Hashem, Kim, I'm like a Kosh Baruch Hu, you are everything. You are my everything. I don't want to ever leave Hashem, Kim. I want to say it for a year at the Kaiso, by Ne'ila. But I can't. I'm a human being. I can't. But if I could, I would stand there and say, Shema Yisrael. I want to say, Baruch Shem Kivayim, a whole year. I want to be a Malach. That's what I want. I can't do it because I'm a human, but if I could, that's what would make me happy, Dad. I want to be with you all the time. You're my father. I want to hang out with you. I want to chill with you. That's right. I want to learn with you. I want to play with you. I want to go to weddings with you. I want you to be everything in my life. That's the relationship. I need Lee, and the Satan won't even come near you. You will burn him into ash. He doesn't have a chance. But to say, I'll hate, 
I did a sin, I did a sin, I did a sin. When is this over? When is Yom Kippur over? What time is it? What time is it? It's like, I don't want it to be over. I'm such a low life a whole year. And now I'm a malach. Let's do this longer. I don't want to eat. I don't want to drink. I don't want to be with my wife right now. I want to be with you. That's what your kipper is. That's the level you have to be on. When you hear that shofar, you hear that bochu, it's like, oh man, it's over. I'm back on this schmutzed world with all this garbage. God, I was with you. It's the way it is. It's one day. You know what Satan equals, right? Everyone knows what Satan equals. What does half Satan equal? 364. Because there's one day he's out. We're in. One day. Imagine we had two days. We actually do Purim. It's a whole different share. It's from a, diff- a, different, a different connection to Hashem of love. So that's the Anila Daili I want to talk about the Ishrei Ehu for a moment. If you love someone, your relationship with them, if you're able to help their child, any parent in this room will tell you, if you can help me or you can help my child, please help my child. Because if you help my child, it means you love my child and you love me. If you help me, it doesn't mean you love my child. You may not like my child at all. So the Ishri Ehu is not just Ishri Ehu. It's not only been Adam, been Adam la Adam, but it's been Adam la Makom too. And that's why it talks a lot about coming into a Shanyam Kippur. Make sure until Zaka, right? It talks a lot about forgiving your friend and getting forgiveness from your friend. Because at the end of the day, if you hurt another Jew, you hurt, you hurt his father too. If someone would come in here and slap someone's child, the father's going to beat that guy up. Why? I, I, I didn't slap you. What's it bothering you for? It's my child. You slapped me. So when you hurt another Jew, you were, by the way, it's a very big mistake that people have, that when you hurt someone and you ask mechila, it's not enough. It's not enough. Because you're getting mechila from the person, but you have to get kapar from Hashem. You, you hit his son. You embarrassed his son. You still don't about his son. So not only mechila of the person you hurt, but you have to ask mechila from a Kurdish Baruch so Ben Adam Lechaveiro is huge. And if you could take on, even if you yourself, you're not there. Not everyone's on that level. Or I want to, what do you want from me? I'm not on that level. I can't wait till you know, over and I get a good glass of soda. You know? Coke Zero. Ah. Think about that a whole Yom Kippur, that Coke Zero. <laughs> on ice. I, I, I'm not on that level. But everyone's on the level of helping Hashem's children. And I, you, know, you know something? That might even be a bigger level because at the end of the day, if you're asking for life for another year and you're telling Hashem that I'm a Medrash boy, but an hour on a Friday, I'm going to go find an American in Ramat Beit Shemesh, which is having a lot of situations, and I'm going to tutor a kid that has a learning, little learning disability, or I'm going to go to any yeshiva here and I'm going to tutor a boy that's struggling or I'm going to take him out for pizza and he has low self-esteem, Hashem, I'm going to save one of your children. Because the worst thing for a, a child is, is depression, which comes from low self-esteem, which comes from usually learning disabilities. 
because you don't feel like you, you're able to learn and you're not doing well and you start to feel different and you start to fail and then you start to get separated and you get out of yeshiva and you're in the street and goodbye. So anyone in this room can teach Alavades. Anyone in this room can teach a Pasad and Chumash. Anyone can take a little kid, an American kid, out for pizza and tell you know, and you don't understand little kids, I'm teaching 40 years and I'm very busy with little teeny kids in, my, in the school. And it's like, a, it's like they come to school and these other kids that you know, no one talks to He's sniveling. He doesn't do well in his tests. And everyone's like, ugh, stay away from him. I don't, I don't go out with him. And, you know, there's a lot of kids that go through that in life. And then he walks into school and he's like, you know who came to my house last night? And they're like, yeah, who? Mayor. Ugh, who's mayor? Mayor goes to Medrash. He's 19. What? Why would he come to you? Because he likes me. Because he cares about me. They mamish walk around like they have a badge. And he took me out for pizza. And they're all leaning in. Whoa! Pizza! And this, this little kid, who everyone's making fun of, all of a sudden he's a big shot. Why? Because there's a guy in Medrash who just gave one hour, one little hour of his time to this kid. I want you to know that in Shidduchim, no matter what I'm asking for, the boy that I'm looking for, my daughters, that I looked for, my first question, I have some big tamidah chacham and bachashem that are son-in-laws. My first question is, he learns 18 hours a day. He, he eats coffee grinds to stay up. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. What was my first question? Does he, does he learn with a kid? With a non-from kid, a seed program. Does he go in the seed program ever? Did he ever go in a seed program? Or it's all about his learning and him. Oh, he has a chavusa, some weak kid from yeshiva of two hours and every single day they send him from yeshiva. I'm like, I don't even have to meet him. Mazel tov. <laughs> Why? Because he's saving lives. You don't have to save the life of a kid when he's 17 off the derech. You can save the life of a kid when he's five, when he's six, when he's seven. That's when you can save his life. So when you stand in Yom Kippur and you're like, Hashem, I'm not doing so good. I don't know if I can stop talking to girls. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I, sh- I can't stop looking at things. I'll look at less. I'll look with one eye. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I'll try. But you know what, Akadosh Baruch Hu? But you know what? You know what I'm going to do this year? I am going to help one of your children that nobody gives any attention to. I am going to help one of your children. I am new furniture for you, Hashem, because I am going to help him. And I don't know if anyone else would help him, but I am going to help him. You're going to take care of my child? That means you love me. That means you love me if you're willing to take care of my child. Chachamim didn't just go into Purim for no reason. You take care of my poor people. You take care of my children. That's the same, maybe greater, maybe greater than Anila Daily Daily. It's also based on love. They didn't go into the tshuva pocket. That's a tough thing to win. You've got to do your tshuva because you've got to show Hashem you're giving me an eraser. I'm not erasing it. That's crazy. It says death. And Hashem says, here's the eraser. You could erase it and write life and you don't use the eraser. It means you're throwing it in his face. It means you don't care about him. So you have to do tshuva. But the secret to get another year is through love. 
And it's an interesting thing. Because I never understood why Anila Daidi Daidi. Why do I have to take the first step? Anila Daidi. I take the step to Hashem, then he takes a step to me. That's not usually the way he works. So when I do, when I do uh, Shalom Bayis, so many of the women, women back there, I can't see you, but you're going to like this. Um, many of the women, they come to me and they're like, one of the problems I have with my husband is he doesn't know how to, uh, guys, I'm not ragging on you. He doesn't know how to express his emotions. Rabbi, we, we've heard this before. I say, what does that mean? He never says he loves me. Now, love, I don't know, some people, it's a trade for word. I don't know why it's a trade for word, because the whole share Hashem, that's the only word they use. And Hashem says, you should love me. So I don't know. I know, I know, I know. I, I know, I don't know, Lakewood, this, you should, whatever it is. That until you get engaged, well, after you get engaged and you send her a card, right, you have to see sincerely yours. Well, you're truly, you can't write love because you're not married yet, and it's Chiba. And I'm not, I'm not, I guess that's correct. I don't, you know, I don't know the, the meaning over here, not meaning, you know. Or they just don't sign it, and the girl doesn't know who sent it to them. <laughs> that's the guy I dated two times ago. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you something, Rashiva, you're going to love this. It's very fascinating. Hashem never asks us to love him before he tells us he loves us. And therefore I tell every husband, if you think it's a whole thing, and it's a Romeo and Juliet, and it's a Goyish thing, it's not a Goyish thing at all. Before you say Kriyashma in the morning, before it says, well, Hafta Hashem commands you to love him, he says, Baruch Hashem, Habocher Ba'amo Yisrael Ba'ava. I chose you with love. And if I'm telling you that I chose you with love, I have a right to ask you to love me back. But if I don't tell you I love you, I can't say that in Kriyashma. So the brach before Kriyashma is, I chose you with love. Oh, now, if I chose you with love, you get, it's, a, it's a relationship. You've got to give me back love. At night, we say Kriyashma by Mairiv, Oy Heiv Amo Yisrael. I love my nation Yisrael. Now that I told you I love you, I can ask you to love me. So I tell the husbands, this is not, this is not a game. If Hashem says, I don't have a right to ask you to love me until I tell you that I love you, hello? And the husbands will say the same thing. What do we say, guys? What do we say? She knows what do I have to say it for. How could she not know? I paid a mortgage. <laughs> and she's like, I really, Yanko, I would really appreciate if you'd say it more because I need to hear it. I, I need to hear it. So therefore, here's the deal. Listen to this. Elul is we flip it on Hashem. And we say, we're telling you, we love you. And therefore, you got to tell us that you love us. It's brilliant. Hachamim more brilliant. So instead of, Udaydi li, anil udaydi, it's Hashem, I love you. Hello? Now you got to give us back that love. That's Elul. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and one of the biggest ways of talking to Hakadosh Baruch Hu is what's sitting in front of you. Svarim and learning it's his language. You're learning what he put into the world, which actually created the world of Torah. It's his language. He's talking to you. Did I tell you the story of Rishmo Birnbaum? I think I said it here once. What a story! What a story! I got another 10 minutes. 
So Shmuel Berman was my Rosh with my Rosh Hashiv at Mir. He was the master of the door. I invited him to my wedding. He told me he finishes Seder at eight. He finished Seder at eight. He's not coming. It'll take him half an hour. He won't be there before eight thirty. You can stand on your head. He never went to a wedding until he finished Seder. He was a very big master. It was a true story. One of the Kyle guys in Mir, he was there like forever. He was there like for 40 years. Forever. And his wife became very, very sick with cancer. Stage four. And he came to the Rosh Hashiva and he said, they didn't give her much time. And he said, Rosh Hashiva, I gave my life to Kyle in this Yeshiva. I cannot go on with my life without her. She is the one that supported me and was by my side and took care of me and my kids. You're my Rosh Hashiva. I'm here for 40 years. I'm asking you. I need a miracle. Rosh Hashiva looked at him. If you knew the Rosh Hashiva, very lit fish. And he said, I'm not a Rebbe. And I'm not a Makobo. I sit and I learn Tyra. I sit and I learn Tyra. So Rosh Hashiva, I'm not asking you to become a Rebbe or a Makobal. I'm asking you to rip Shemayim. I cannot live without my Rebbe. I'm sitting here 40 years with you. She said, I can't promise you anything. I'll try. Five days later, they get a call. They're doing some kind of new medicine test in Belgium. They need 20 volunteers. And being that she's already at this point, there's nothing to lose, would she come? Of course, was the question. So they went. To make a long story short, placebo, no placebo, who knows what it was, what it wasn't. The cancer began to shrink, began to shrink, began to shrink. Gone. She's on stage four. Gone. Some people, not only her, there were some people in the test that made, like three or four of them had happened to, and the rest of them passed away. He went back to Rosh Hashiva, and he said, this is, you guys should carry this through the year. And then he came to Rosh Hashiva, and he said, Rosh Hashiva, it seems to be that you may be a Rebbe. <laughs> or a Makubo, my wife just came back from a PET scan. It's clean. Rosh Hashiva looked at him and said, no, I'm neither. But if you want to know what I did? He said, yeah, what did you do? He said, I opened my Gemara. Oh, I'm just picturing him. He said, I opened my Gemara. And I looked at the daf, and there was Abaya and Rava in the daf. I said, Abaya, Rava, we've been talking to each other for a very long time. That's what he said. We've been talking to each other for a very long time. I've never asked you anything. I've learned that you're Machlaikasin. We're very involved. I'm asking you, Abaya and Rava, for this boy who also talks to you all the time. Go to the Kisya Kabayid and save his wife. So what did Rosh Hashiva say? I guess Abai and Rav will have power in the next world. He wasn't learning Gemara. He was living, he was talking to Abai and Rav. It's alive. It's because it's alive. How many of us learn Torah and it's alive? It was alive. It's a famous story. They talked about it by the Shiva. She was talking to a buyer of So damn, okay, I'll ask him. Maybe he'll help me out. It's good. It wasn't a take or we'd been in trouble, but wow. Wow. What a level. What Tyra is. So when you learn Tyra, you're talking to Hashem. It's, it's his Tyra. It's his present to us. 
so he knows when you're learning it, and sometimes it's very hard and you're breaking your head, and he knows that you even love me more. Because some people learn Torah, they enjoy it. They have lawyers' minds, they have these kind of minds. They're like back and forth, and a machlekes, and another machlekes, and a and you get credit for it, there's no question. And you get a lot of credit for it, it's remittal, because you can read English books that have the same stuff, and not the same, but I'm saying, with, you know, back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. When a guy is, it doesn't go into his head, and he's struggling, he's struggling, why don't you just close the Gemara and get out? It's not happening. Because you're learning Torah, because my father gave me this present, and he said, this is for you, and I am going to try and try and try as hard as I can to understand it. And Hashem looks down lovingly at you and says, this kid is having such a hard time. The only reason he's learning Torah is because of me. It's a huge relationship. It's Torah, making her eights on an apple and realizing that this is something that I made for you. Everything that Hashem gave us, all our senses, is, is, to, is, to, is to have an unbelievable marriage. It's a husband and a wife. It's like, wow, you made this for me? For supper? Unbelievable. You should be kabench. That's what we're doing, Hashem. When we say, hey, it's exactly what you're doing. Say, you made this apple for me? You should be kabench. Boy, you put your eights. I love you. You should be kabench. Hashem looks down at you and you're learning and you're dominating and it's hard and you're fasting. Hashem says, you're doing this for me? Really doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for me? I love you. What a marriage. Husband comes home from work. You work the whole day for me? I love you. You cook supper for me? I love you. Wow. Got to call my wife after this show. <laughs> that's, that's Yom Kippur, guys. That's Yom Kippur. One day in a year, that guy that tries to get between us, the third guy, the adulterer, the third guy in a marriage is the adulterer. The adulterer who tries to get between me and Hashem, he's out of the picture. I have a chance now to be just without Kirsh Baruch Hu. There's no third person here. That's Yom Kippur, and that's what we're walking into. Wow, what a day, man. You should be looking forward to this. I come to Israel every Yom Kippur. I want to be here. My tefillah, this is the 13th speech tonight. Well, this is the 14th, but the 13th speech. I, I, I started in Manchester. I said, Manchester, Chicago, wherever I'm going, Eretz Yisrael, I, get me on that plane. I don't want to miss that plane. I, was, I came from, from Canada, from Toronto. I was there three hours before the flight. I'm usually there three minutes before the flight. Now, I, I need to be in Eretz Yisrael. I need to be at Kosh Baruch house, not in America, not with all the schmutz. I need to have my face on the Kaiso by Ne'ila, She'ein Zuz, Hashkina, that the Shekhina I know is there. I need to have my back on the Kaiso when I do Birchaz HaKahanim tomorrow night by Ne'ila, to bench by Ne'ila, my back's on the base of Mignish to McLean. I'm standing, it's 2,000 years, I'm unemployed. I'm waiting for them to open the door. It's a long line, 2,000 years unemployed. It's, it's such a moment, and you're in yeshiva, and, and, and the Rav is the leader. He's the Kohen Gadol. He's the Kohen Gadol. Outside that he has a magnificent voice, but he's the Kohen Gadol. No, really, seriously, he's the Kohen Gadol. The only other place, and it's for me, I'm not, you know, I'm not in yeshiva anymore. It's, I'm a Kohen. That's my excuse. Otherwise, he wouldn't let me out. I'm a Kohen. My place is, I feel, is, 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 by, is by the Kohen Samarabi, is by the Beis Amigdash, because the avoid of a Kohen, the whole avoid of a Kohen, was on that spot. You're claiming to? <laughs> what? You could sing while I work. <laughs> well, now I'm in trouble. No pressure, no pressure.
Okay, I want to end with this. It's very, very late. I want to end with this. Listen carefully. Listen carefully to to what Ben Adam Lechavero means. Story in the Kavayasha, if you want to look it up, one of my favorites for him. In Perek, hey, listen to this story. So one day, Rabbi Akiva was walking through a graveyard. He met a man. He was ugly, he was full of ash, he was dark, he was black. Black from ash. And he was carrying a huge load of eitzim, of wood. No human being, animal in this world, could carry that amount of wood. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva said to him, I'm making you swear. No, you're going to have to answer. Are you human? No human being could carry that word. Are you a Shindalit? What kind of creation are you? I used to be a human being. But I died. I'm not alive anymore. Every day, and he may be my I carry this load of wood. And they bring me into Gehenna. And they burn me in this wood that I'm carrying in Gehenna. Three times a day. That's my, that's my Amal. That's what I got to do. What did you do that you have this punishment? Whoever understands what it means, good. Whoever don't, I'm not explaining it. He said to this person, that, that this used to be a human being. Did you hear in the other world, in Tikva, that you can get fixed? Is this like forever? Is there anything that can be done to fix you? I heard from the other side, if my son would ever get up and, and say Torah, or he'd get up to the Sifri Torah and say, they would take me out of Yehannam. Were you married? Did you have a child? I don't know. My, my wife was pregnant when I died. So I don't know if I had a boy or girl, if the baby made it. I don't know. What's your name? What's your wife's name? From what city do you come from? Lazdika. Okay. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva had better things to do, right? Wrote down his name, the name of his wife, and the name of the city. Now we're going to go into the bottom of the caviar. Listen to what happens. So he comes to the city. And he says this guy's name. And they all say he should rot in the ground. So, whoa, what did he do? He was a tax collector. And he only collected from the poor. He didn't collect from the rich. So he should rot. The Bikiva said, I heard that his wife was pregnant. Did she have a child? He said, yeah, he's also a big Russian. And he's an oral. He never had a bris. Miyad, miyad, not like Rabbi Akiva or Malay. Rabbi Akiva took him and he gave him a bris mila. Because he knew that he had to teach this kid the alphabet. Otherwise, his father's not getting out of him. So he taught him Torah. I want you to know that when I learned this, I'm, my whole Rosh Hashanah I was doing tshuva, but I don't know if I could even do tshuva on this. I don't know if Hashem will forgive me. I'll tell you why. 
But this kid with a fashtok the cup, no matter how much Rabbi Akiva would try to teach him the alphabet, it didn't go in. Learning disabled to the 10th. Just didn't go. Remember Rabbi Akiva? Couldn't teach him. So what do you do? Give up. That's it. Leave him back. Send him to the resource room. Right? What do you do? Kid's not learning. Listen to this. He couldn't learn Torah. Rabbi Akiva, the Tanis, Rabbi Akiva fasted. Rabbi Akiva fasted 40 days because this kid couldn't learn. I'm teaching 38 years. I had so many kids in my class that didn't learn. I never fasted a day for them. I didn't know their mother's name. I didn't daven for them. It's not Pasha. It's not Pasha. To be a teacher and not know the mother's name of every kid in your class, before you go to sleep, you go, you, you, you're daven for them. To be a therapist and not to have every name of who's in your therapy to daven for them at night. I'm not asking anyone to fast, but wow, it's a, it's a very big, very big all. Anyway, he fasted 40 days. Yotz Abasko. Abasko came out with Amrah. Hashem said, on that? You're fasting? Omar, he said, yes, I'm fasting on that. This boy. Omar, since you did this, I'm your partner. I'm going to help this kid. Hashem opened up his heart, his understanding, and he taught him Torah. He got up in front of the Kahal, and they said, and he said, Kaddish. And they let his father out of Gehenna. Right? Unbelievable story. Puts a big responsibility on all of us. And if you're teaching a child and he doesn't get it, that's it. You have to fast. You have to daven. You want to make Hashem help him? You have, you have to do something about it. The father came in a dream. But Oman, he told Rebbe Kiva, what he should have told him is, I'm in Gan Eden, right? No, that's what he told him. Tanuach datacha. Relax. Relax. Gan Eden, I'm in Gan Eden. You saved me from Gehenim. It's mashma from this story. And not only he fasted 40 days with this kid, but even after he fasted, he wasn't, and he said Baruch and everything else, he wasn't sure if it helped the father. So he was very uptight, and he was very nervous that everything I did didn't work. So he had to come from the next world and say, it's good, relax. That's how much Rabbi Akiva was into helping this man who was Bayel and Arusa, Yom Kippur. That's been Alma Chavero. Akiva had a lot of better things to do. That's that's Ish How many of us know a kid or maybe even a friend in yeshiva that's not, that, that he's plugging, he's trying, it's not happening. Did you take a fast for him? Do you daven for him in Shemar Do you even know his mother's name? Should there be a guy in this yeshiva that doesn't know every single guy's name and his mother's name so that when you all daven in Yom Kippur, you're all davening with a sheet of paper for every guy in yeshiva, you think? You're not going to have a successful year if this whole yeshiva everybody has each other's names? And you're davening for someone else? And you're forcing Hashem to say, Ani Aravis, I will be your partner to help this guy? He's got a problem with... With, with marijuana, not here, but with drugs, or with drinking, or with girls, or all that, and he's struggling? Did you daven for him? 
Did you fast for him? Did you lose any sleep for him? What a kavayasha, Rabbi Akiva. That was better than a ruse. He should have said, burn forever. Burn forever. And then when the kid couldn't learn, okay. I would have said, I tried. Okay, I tried. I did my best, Hashem, you know? Would have never fasted for him? And if I would have fasted, I would have been like, I'm the biggest tzaddik. I wouldn't have been worried if it worked or not. These are the secrets. Everyone in Yeshiva has a diamond for everyone else. They should be healthy. They're married, they should be happy, they should have healthy children. And then Hashem should open up all our heads to get close to Him, to be able to learn, to be able to understand the deepness of His Torah, to have the love of His Torah. And we end up with this. How many guys are, well, you're not dating if you're here, right? But I want to just tell you a, 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 an unbelievable story. Rosh Hashiva, this is a story, I don't, I'm not going to say Rosh Hashiva never heard it, but it's, it's a hidden medrash, and it's about Shiduchim. So all the guys that are out of Shiduchim, if you want to put your head down and go to sleep, you don't have to listen. Maisa B'Shlomo HaMelech, listen to the story. It's going to give you guys all the big things. There's a story with Shlomo HaMelech. He had the, I don't know, in the medrash, they're always beautiful, the girls. She was the most beautiful girl in Kamosh B'Chol Eretz Yisrael. Shlomo HaMelech has such a daughter. So he looked into the stars, better than going to a shachin. He looked into the stars, and the stars told him that, his, that her zivug is Ani, the Ani Ani Kamosa, the poorest guy in Israel, and he's ugly. So Shlomo Melech built a tower in the sea. He took his daughter, and she, he, put her, he put her in it. And he closed the door. There was no door in the bottom of the tower. So you couldn't get into the tower. He brought up food and everything. This guy... He ain't getting to my daughter. And he put 60, sold 60 men around the bottom. Okay? And he said to Hashem, I'm interfering. My daughter is not marrying this guy. Okay? I've heard that, I've heard that before too. Okay? Not something new. This poor guy is walking on a very cold night and he was so poor, there was no benches, there was nothing, he had nowhere to lay and he's walking through a field and there's a dead ox, huge dead ox. And the animals had eaten the insides of the ox. So he crawls into the ox, closes, you know, like the door, closes it on him. And it's warmer than being outside. Along comes an eagle, sees an ox, it's a meat eater, grabs the ox, pulls it away, that no other bird should get it. And it's looking for a place to rest, and it's flying out there. And it sees this tower with a huge porch. He lands on the porch. Drops the ox, lands on the porch, starts to eat the ox, the outside of the ox. The morning comes, this, this guy, this poor guy, comes out of the ox. He's on the porch of a tower. He went to sleep in a, in a, in a field, on the porch of a tower. He's like, like, what's going on over here? But it gets, it gets better. Five minutes later, this beautiful girl walks onto the porch. And he's like, wow. And he's, he's, he has very poor clothing, whatever it is. And she says like, where did you come from? So it's a long story, but from an ox. <laughs> so, to make a long story short, she, she, she sews for him clothing. He gets all washed up. He's talking very good looking and very poor. And just like, it's, it's very interesting because, you know, guys are scared to commit, Rabbi, so sometimes we've got to push them, you know, because they're scared. When, she says, when he says, will you marry me? She'll be like, I don't know, I'm not sure, I have to think about it. And all his friends put the roses on the beach and everything, and he looked stupid, you know, he didn't, she didn't say yes. So guys are scared to propose. 
I don't know why they have their friends do it. I don't know. Not propose, but put stuff out. <laughs> so this guy, he wasn't, he wasn't that kind of guy. So Yom Echad Omrolo, she says to him, Shani, do you want to marry me? She wasn't going to wait for him to ask her to marry her. He said, she, he said yes. A, mar- a marriage made in, I don't know, a tower? Ox? So, had to write a ksuva. How's he going to write a ksuva? Heik is dam. He let blood, and he wrote a ksuva. I got into trouble two, day, two nights ago because it was all women. And I said he wrote the ksuva in blood. Usually, the guy's blood is after he's married. But okay, whatever. They didn't like that. They didn't think it was, they didn't think it was funny. But okay. Well, guys, I can tell it to. Anyway, Vikitsha, he marries her. I don't understand this. And he gets Aiden, Michal, and Gavriel. Two angels are the Aiden, and they get, get married. Three months later, she's pregnant. And a few months later, she has a big belly. And the guys at the bottom of the tower, they see her walking on the porch, and they're like, Huh? This is not the other religions kind of thing, right? So, so like, what, 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 what's going on here? And they say, if Shlomo Melech finds out, he's going to think one of us snuck up there. He's going to kill us all. We're all going to get killed. What do we do? So they sent the message. Shlomo Melech, there's a problem. You need, you need to get here fast. So he comes. And he sees she's Mu'ubaras. And he says, Umiminus Abra, how'd you get pregnant? And she says, I want to introduce you to my husband. And he comes out. And it's interesting. The first thing Shlomo Melech asks him, you married my daughter? Where's the ksuva? It's the first thing he asked him. And he took out the ksuva that, that he wrote in blood. And Shlomo Melech asked him, who's your father? Who's your mother? What town do you come from? He told him, I come from Akko, his mother and father. And this was the boy that he saw in the stars. And he turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he said, that I learned from this, that when you want a shidduch to happen, it's going to happen. And nobody can interfere. I think that's a very important lesson for all the boys who are dating and who are going to date. If Hashem wants it to happen, it's going to happen. I don't think you have to be in a dead ox for it to happen, <laughs> but, but it's going to happen. Some of these guys are thinking, good, I don't got to come in a car, I'm going on an eagle and an ox, I don't feel like that. Okay. Ne'ilo, we're going to close. We're going to close. Oh, this is the way to close. A king with one child, a prince, and the prince disrespected the king in front of the whole country. And he had no choice, and the punishment, of course, of doing this was death. And he realized he would lose his country because they would all rebel if he doesn't punish him. And he called his closest advisor, his closest servant, and he said, you need to take my son into the woods. You need to kill him, but I'm begging you, when you kill him, do it very fast. I don't want my son to suffer. So, they tied him up, put him in handcuffs, they rode him out of the, out of the country into the woods. And the servant came back a few hours later. And the king said, I need to talk to you. Okay? Tell me, before you killed him, what were his last words? He said, he didn't say anything. No message for me? Angry, not angry? No messages. Did he suffer? 
Was it painful? Because he's his father. He still loved him. He says, no, it wasn't painful. I hope you remember to mark his grave because I need to go pray. I need to talk to him. I can't do it right now because everyone's watching, but I, want, I need to... Did you mark his grave? He said, no. What? I know. No. Did he say he loved me from when he left the palace till you killed him? Did he ever say, tell my father I'm sorry or that he loves me? He says, nope. The king is so broken. So broken. He didn't even ask. He didn't even say he's sorry. He didn't say anything. He said, well, you're my servant. Can I ask you something? He said, sure. Do you think my, my son ever loved me? He says, I don't know. But if you really want to know, why don't you ask him? What? Why don't you ask him? I, I couldn't kill him. He's in the next room. King, if you want to take my head off, you can take my head off. I know how much you loved him. I know he did something wrong. I know you had a moment. But I knew that for the rest of your life, you'd be lonely without him. I couldn't kill him. Angry! Kill you! I love you! And he's hugging the servant. Where's my boy? He's in the next room. Runs into the room. And the prince is there. He says, I'm so sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry what I did. I love you. And the father says, no, I'm so sorry. I can't even believe that I wanted to kill you. I couldn't live without you. And the two of them are hugging and crying and shaking. Yosef and Yaakov. And the king turns around to his servant. And he says, I can never, ever repay you. But I'll give you gold. I'll give you jewels. I'll give you whatever you want. You brought my son back says, I don't need gold, I don't need silver, I don't need jewels. Just knowing that the two of you are back together, just watching what I just saw, I have everything I want. This is Yom Kippur. This is Yom Kippur, guys. We're being judged for life and for death. But each Jew can save another Jew. Each Jew can give chizik to another Jew. Hashem doesn't want to kill his children. That's not what's going on in Yom Kippur. Like, God, you want to kill me? I got to work my way out of it. Hashem doesn't want to kill you. We deserve death. Because life is having a relationship with Hashem. We're not having that relationship. We deserve death. Hashem doesn't want death. Hashem wants tshuva. Because tshuva saves us. Tshuva the Gizera, what does that mean, Mavir and Roya Gizera? That means there is a Roya Gizera. What are you saying? Saying Chuba Chuba, is it, is it stopping from the Gizera? No, it's Mavir Roya Gizera. It means that we all have a Gizera on us. The Gizera is there. Send them to the field, send them into the forest. Make sure it's not painful, but kill them. But Chuba Chuba, not only for ourselves, but for Gans Klyusrol. The biggest simcha Hashem can have, Tshuva. Because guess what, Hashem? There's no Gzeira anymore. We got rid of the Gzeira and we're alive. And Hashem is telling us at the end of Yom Kippur, when we say Hashem Kim, He's telling us, I'm so happy that you're alive. 
You're my child. I love you. I can't live without you. Believe Christ Yisrael. There is no Melech. There is no Avinu. We make him an Avinu. We make him a Malkeinu. Without all of us in this room, he is not an Avinu or a Malkeinu. He's a king of nothing. He's a father to no one. We're the ones that make that happen. Don't forget that. He doesn't want us to die. He wants us to live. But there's din going into the forest. The biggest thing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to stamp L'chaim Tarevim Mulasholam for every single Jew. And that's what we have to go after. And that's what we have to do. We have to do Ben Elon Chavero. We have to do Ben Elon Moko. We have to be happy about Yom Kippur. Not depressed and scared. Don't be scared. Rosh Hashanah, you leave Rosh Hashanah after the Shafer and you go to eat and everyone's happy. It says, why is it happy? Because it's your father. And he only has us. He doesn't have anyone else. Who does he want? The Arabs? The Muslims? What? Who, who's he going to replace us with? What? Them? Liberals? <laughs> every Avera in the Torah, that, anything that's precious to him, every Toeva, what, that you're going to get rid of us and you're going to get a bunch of Toevas? That's what you want, Hashem? No, that's not what you want. You want us. We make you king. We make you who you are. And that's how you have to go into Yom Kippur, guys. Don't be scared. Be prepared. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.